Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, everybody. This is Mike Lapon of Symphony X, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. I am recording this in late November 2015. What a month this was. Saw a lot of great shows this month. I saw Priest, Mastodon. Last night I saw Generation Kill play Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey. Awesome. Great stuff. Daryl McDaniels, a.k.a. DMC from Run DMC fame, and Bumblefoot of Guns N' Roses fame, possibly formerly of... Guns N' Roses, at least that's how it sounds to me, um, got up there and just ripped through some some rock and hip-hop and metal, and wow, what, what a great band Generation Kill is, and of course they are com- collaborating with Daryl McDaniels from Run DMC and Bumblefoot from uh, Guns N' Roses, and he played with Lita Ford and mostly known for his solo career. I guess probably mostly known for playing with Guns N' Roses, but also known for having a great solo career. So uh, they they just ripped it up so good. Generation Kill, a, a band you got to check out. It features former Exodus vocalist Rob Dukes. All right. So having said that, on today's show we have Mike Lapon from Mike Lapon Silent Assassins, and of course the bassist also in uh, Symphony X. So there you go. We are going to get into that interview right now with with Mike. Let's listen to some Symphony X to get us into the interview. This is this is new Symphony X, newer. Came out earlier this year, I believe. And after the interview, we'll hear a little of the uh, the silence, uh, silent assassin stuff, which features Alan Tecchio on vocals. So, without further ado, Mike Lapon, the great bassist, New Jersey native, Symphony X bassist Michael Pond. Anyways, here he is. Flying into the storm 
What you just heard was the song Without You by Symphony X. And calling in on the line, we have the bassist of Symphony X, Mike LaPond. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Mark. Great to be on with you again. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. I want to talk to you uh, a little bit about Symphony X here at the beginning of the interview, and then I want to get into Silent Assassins, which is a you know an album you guys put out, I guess, a year or two ago that I just loved, and sounds like there's more stuff on the way. So we'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes, but let's talk. Uh, start off talking about the tour that just wrapped up, Symphony X and Overkill out on the road together. How'd that go? Oh, wow. Um, well, we've been friends with Overkill for a long, long time. We're both from New Jersey, and uh, we always wanted to tour together, you know, but um, we just never couldn't get the time scheduling right. But finally, we were able to tour together. We did a tour from mid-September through mid-October. Um, we went through uh, North America, right? and uh, the tour was really, really at the top of our games. Um, their fans were digging us. Our fans were digging them. And um, packed houses every night. Um, it was really, really uh, a really cool tour. Um, it went by so fast because we were having such a good time. But um, it was definitely a worthwhile tour. I think it, uh, it helped both bands. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind doing it again at some point. Well, that's great to hear because, you know, the bands are, are definitely they're both metal, but they're definitely different in style. So it's it's cool to hear that the fans enjoyed the diversity of, of the double bill, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you're always kind of worried about that, you know. But, um, I, you know, I think metal fans are the coolest people in the world, and they're open to, you know, whatever you throw at them. And um, as far as the show went, you know, I mean, our music is more progressive, but we're definitely heavy, and I think their fans uh, appreciated it. So um, so hopefully we picked up some new fans in the process. Now, I was talking to Bobby Blitz before the tour started, and he was telling me, and I, want, I just wanted to verify this, if this story is even true, but he was telling me that Symphony X was rehearsing at some studios that, that Dee Dee owned or something like that. Is there any truth to this tale? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Dee Dee, uh, for a long time, he had uh, he had a business where um, he had this place where bands would rehearse there. And, you know, before a tour, Overkill would rehearse there. Um, and Symphony X was one of the bands that uh, rehearsed in this place. So we would see uh, the Overkill guys all the time. You know, so it was really, really cool, and you know, and that was that was part of what made the tour so much fun because it was just like we were all family and we've known each other for so long. But yeah, we used to rehearse in uh, Dee Dee's uh, studio. Very interesting, and of course, the the album Underworld still rather new, 2015 release. It got great reviews. H how are the fans reacting to songs off of this album in the live setting? Um, you know, it, it was amazing because um, what we did on this tour is we would come out and we would do like a good half the record. Wow. And, um, you know, we weren't sure how the, the fans would react, but they were loving every minute of it. Um, in my opinion, 
you know, I haven't seen that kind of a crowd response to our new music probably in about 15 years. So um, I think this album kind of takes our fans back to how we kind of sounded in the old days, but it also is heavy enough for our new fans to like it. So um, it's doing really, really well. Um, the response has just been phenomenal, and it's on track to be our biggest selling record. Wow, that's great, especially in these times where records don't usually sell as much as they uh, have in the past. It is a, a great put-together record from the playing to the songwriting to also the production of it. It just sonically sounds really great. Were there certain producers or engineers that you brought in to work with you on the Underworld record? Well, for the last couple of albums, um, we've been working with um, Jens Bogram from Fascination Street Studios in Sweden. Uh, and he's been mixing, <clears throat> he mixed, um, I guess, our last three records. And this guy is just unbelievable. Um, he he has an ear like, you know, it, it's so good, it's baffling. So um, he, he just gives us this monstrous sound with the mix. And um, so we've been using him. We've been really, really happy with him. And uh, this last album, you know, we really like the uh, the mix so much. Uh, we're really happy the way the album just kind of flows, and it's just kind of like it's just kind of like a journey, you know, from beginning to end with this album. We just kind of wanted it. We wanted to really make an album again because you know, so many people they just want to buy singles and all this stuff and. You know, if you just buy a single from this album, I think you're really missing out because it's really like an album's album. Right on. Right on. Now, I, I saw that Symphony X is scheduled to head over to Europe in early 2016. And not to bring the interview down here, but I saw one of the places you guys are, are scheduled to perform on February 23rd is in Paris at the same theater where this massive, terrible tragedy just uh, took place this terrorist attack with the eagles of death metal um i mean uh, how did how did that make make you feel hearing about this terrible event in a place that you know you guys are scheduled to play in, in just a couple months i mean this i mean sadly could have been any band up there any i mean it was an american band playing you guys are an american band i mean it, it had to i'm sure really hit close to home yeah, when I, you know, when I saw that, it was, you know, Le Bataclan, and um, it definitely sh sent sh uh, shivers through my spine. Um, we had played there already in 2008, and it's a beautiful place, and um, when I was watching this on the news, you know, just like all of us were in disbelief, and, and I saw it was the Bataclan, I was like, wow, I was like, you know what? That just that could have been us, you know. I mean, in, in just a few months, if it happened a few months from now, that really could have been us. And uh, it's you know, it's definitely uh, a scary thing. Um, now I haven't heard anything from the venue. You know, I'm sure it has sustained a lot of damage. I'm sure. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the if we're going to play a different place. Um, but, you know, my attitude is 
you know, I'm not afraid of these animals, and um, and I'm more than happy to play Paris again and show solidarity with them. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's great to hear that, and yeah, we can't let them just chase us away, and and uh, we can't hide from them. You know, I think the the strongest thing you can do is get back out there and play, and I'm glad to hear you guys are are heading over there, and you're going to do just that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, we have to just all not let them get to us and, and live our lives, and, you know, and that's, uh, that's the best we can do, I think. Absolutely. So one of my favorite records of, of recent times was the Michael Pond's Silent Assassins. I've always been a fan of you know, kind of that old school metal groove and, and Alan Tecchio's voice. I've always loved that, that guy as a singer and, uh, just thought what you did on that record was just great. So many great songs, very different in my opinion, from what you're doing with, with symphony X. Uh, and, and I was just psyched to hear that you guys are actually working on new material for, for a second record. And I just wanted to pick your brain on it. It sounds like Alan Tecchio is involved once again. Will, will you have some of the the other players back, Metal Mike? Who's coming back on this record with you, if anybody? Who will be on the record with you? Well, yeah, well, basically, um, here's what's going on with the new record. Um, I wrote all the songs for it already, so it's all that's all ready to go. So now it's just a matter of um, getting it recorded. Um so I already have Michael Romeo programming the drums, so it's already uh, going. Um, and uh, Alan Tecchio, you know, I I gotta have Alan Tecchio back because he is just he he did such an amazing job on on that first record that I just you know I had no words. It was so good. So um, I already asked Alan, and he, he's totally into it. Um, as far as guitar players, I, you know, I'm still not sure what I want to do with the guitar playing. Like, I'm like who was on? It was, it, was, uh, it was Metal Mike and, and Michael Romeo, right, on the last record. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, you know, I want to give Michael Romeo a little break. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. he helps me so much, you know. So um, I don't know. I might um, I might look for some different guitar players, but uh, there's, some, there's some time to... Uh, to get that together because I'm still going to do the rhythm guitar work. So it would just be somebody for leads, but, um, yeah, that's right. Cause you, you really did all yeah. the rhythm guitar playing on the last record. So it was just leads basically. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, but definitely Alan and, um, I'm looking forward to it. You know how these things go. It just takes a long time to get recorded because, you know, you just want it done right. And I have to record it in between all these Symphony X tours that are going to be going on next year. So, um, you know, it's just going to take time, but um, it's just so much fun, man. So um, I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully, um, hopefully a year from now, I'll be ready to release, I think. Okay. Okay, cool. So songs are written. You're talking about recording michael's going to help with some of the drum programming and alan's on board and still kind of feeling out guitar players right right yeah so that's what i'm looking at right now it's going to be you know basically the same kind of style um just in your face metal 
and um, you know, we'll, uh, hopefully uh, it will get a good reaction like the first one. And as far as sales on the first one, when were you pleased with with the sales? I mean, I know it's so difficult today with the streaming services mm-hmm. and and yeah. stuff like that. You know, I think I mean, I I listen to it mostly on Spotify. Um, does, right. Is that is that a problem for you? Would you prefer that people buy the CDs over and listen to it on streaming services? Well, I mean, you know, first let me say, I mean. Uh, However you want to listen to it is, is honestly, it's fine with me um, because, I, you know, I just want to get the music out there. Um, now, having said that, you know, do bands make any money really from Spotify or Pandora? It's so minuscule that it's like, it's almost like nothing. So basically, bands are basically trading that for exposure. Um, so, yeah, obviously buying the... Uh, either the physical CD or the download will make more money for the bands in the long run. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care how it gets out there. Now, as far as the, uh, the sales, um, you know, it, it's, it wasn't as good as I was hoping, you know, and I think, uh, you know, it's weird because the sales weren't good, but yet like everybody knows about the album. So I guess there, you know, a lot of, illegal downloading going on and that, you know, so it's just the nature of the business now, you know what I mean? So right. uh, it's fine though, but it got great reviews, you know, everybody I talked to really appreciated it. So I want to do another one anyway, you know, and, um, and who knows what will happen, you know what I mean? Right on, right on. And anything else going on musically for you right now? I know you're a lot of times in downtime from Symphony X. You'll you're kind of involved in in the Jersey rock scene, and I, I've seen you out at clubs like Tenth Street Live and stuff, jamming. Are, are you up to anything else musically besides the Silent Assassin stuff and and the Symphony X stuff? Um. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw you at Tenth Street Live, and I think I saw you over the summer at uh, the PNC Art Center too. Correct. Yeah. Good memory. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, when Symphony X is off the road, I'm always getting asked to do recording projects and and live projects. And um, right now, I don't have any live gigs planned. Uh, Since I've been back from the tour, I've done a few things. Um, There's a band that I just recorded for uh, from New York called uh, Them. And... um, it's a really cool project. Uh, some some New York guys, some European guy, some uh, Canadian guy. And it's like a real kind of merciful fake King Diamond kind of thing. Cool. Um, that was really, really cool. Um, so, I, you know, that should be getting released pretty soon. And what is it? It's called Them? The band's called Them. Okay. Yeah, T-H-G-M. Uh, the, the, uh, the singer Troy is a New York guy. Um and uh, the the he he collaborated with it was me uh, Kevin Talley from Suffocation okay uh, and then and then uh, there were some there were some other guys one guy was from Europe one guy was from Canada but that's a really really cool record so hopefully uh, you know your your uh, the people who listen to you will uh, happen to see it maybe check it out but be, beyond that. 
Um, I'm just waiting around for the next Symphony X tour, which will be in February. Right. So you'll head over to Europe on that tour. And then are there plans to do anything back in the States after that with Symphony X live? We, um, well, we don't have anything booked, but, uh, we're looking at coming back to the States maybe fall or winter of next year. Cool. It'd be great to get you guys back up to uh, Heavy Montreal. I don't know if that's an option. I know I saw you there a couple of years back. It was it was a great show. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that would be really really cool to play there. I, I really like that place. So um, we'll definitely be back. It's just a matter of when, you know. Right on. And a couple generic questions for you. Mike, what what in your mind makes a band metal? Is it the guitar tone? Is it the the look of the band? Is it the attitude? What what makes a band metal? I think it's in the attitude. Actually, you know, there's a lot of bands out there now um, that call themselves metal. They, they'll call themselves power metal, and I'm listening to it. And, you know, maybe the song is, like, really, really fast, uh, but there's no power, you know? They're calling it metal, but there's, like, no me- like there's no toughness in it. A lot of the metal uh, lately that I've been hearing is just, like, it's, like, so happy. And there's no, like, toughness to it, like, back in the day when... You know, when you would first listen to a, a Metallica record or a Judas Priest record back in the day, and it would just punch you right in the face. And, you know, and that's what I tried to do with the Silent Assassin's record, just give you like a big punch in the face like it used to be. But, um, you know, a lot, there's a lot of bands today, you know, it's weird. They, this word power metal keeps going around, and I'm listening, and it sounds like pop. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are there any bands out there, newer bands with younger members? I'm talking like, you know, the 20-somethings that are currently exciting you. Um, there's some bands uh, out of Scandinavia that are doing like um, folk metal and Viking metal. And it's kind of interesting. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's heavy metal, but instead of only instead of just guitar, I mean they're throwing in a lot of folk instruments, you know, like um like violin or bagpipe and, you know, all these other things and it's kinda of working, you know? Yeah. Um a lot of that influenced a lot of that influenced me actually on, on the first Assassin's record. So um I'm digging a lot of that stuff. Um there's a you know, there's a really great band coming out of New York right now. They're unsigned. But hopefully um, your listeners will hear about them. There's this band they're called Fate Breaks Dawn. Okay. And, uh, I mean, these guys are like 20, 21. But they got the talent. They got the attitude. They got the riffs. And um, they just sound phenomenal. So uh, hopefully it's a band you guys, you know, will look out for at some point. If you see the name anywhere... Definitely check it out. I think these guys, you know, if they can get a break, I think they can do something. Cool. Give us a name one more time, Mike. The name is called Fate Breaks Dawn. Fate Breaks Dawn. Okay. I will be on the lookout for them. Sounds sounds awesome. And before I let you go, give me maybe a half a dozen 
of your favorite bass players? Sure. Um, okay, well, I'll say Gene Simmons, um, Steve Harris, Geezer Butler, Joey DeMeo, cool. Getty Lee. Yeah, those guys pretty much. Excellent. All, all you know, metal and, and hard rock guys for the most part. What about outside of the heavy metal and hard rock world? Are there are there any bass players you really love, you know, Jocko or Sting or any anybody outside of the heavy metal world? Yeah, you know, I mean, um, I never really said, um, I never really like said, oh, wow, I really love this guy. But there's some amazing um, – I mean, the jazz bass players are amazing. Yeah, like Jocko, right. probably one of the best bass players I've ever seen in my life. Um, and there's so many bass players. Uh, Jeff Berlin, incredible bass player. Um, I always loved the the funk bass players from the 1960s and 70s, when like James Jamerson and guys like that. And, yeah, sure. And these, all, these guys all had influences on me, not as directly as the rock metal guys, but... Um, you know, a lot of times if I got to play a certain type of music, you know, I'll kind of harken back to some of these other guys. And do you do much session work, like outside of hard rock and heavy metal? Some, uh, be well, because of Symphony X, I will sometimes get um, asked to do maybe a, uh, a prog rock or a jazz type thing. Now, I'm not really, a, you know, a proficient jazz player. I never really just, I never really did it, you know? Right. But occasionally I do some jazz stuff. Um, there was one time I even did a, a black metal project, wow. which was fun. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was, that was like, so, that was like fun because, you know, it's something I don't usually do. And, uh, it was a total blast, but, um, yeah, I guess everything from black metal to jazz I've gotten asked to do. <laughs> Interesting. Good stuff. Well, Mike, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and it sounds like we're we're a little ways off here, but Silent Assassins will be back at some point in 2016 with a new release, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully in about six months I should have some, some good news. Okay. Well, definitely come back and tell us all about it. Oh, I certainly will. Thanks so much, brother.
What you just heard was my interview with Mike LaPond. The music coming out of the interview was, of course, Ragnarok by Mike LaPond. Silent Assassin. Support Mike. Go buy that on iTunes. Spend spend 99 cents on it on iTunes. Or go crack the CD down and purchase it. It's a great listen, the CD. I really do uh, mean that. And yeah, man, what a month. Well, I mean, I was talking about the live shows earlier, November 2015. But I think what most people, at least what the history books will remember, is, of course, the Paris attacks. Uh, just awful, awful. Eagles of Death Metal, a band that is not the Eagles and is definitely not Death Metal, a kind of an alternative rockabilly, rock and roll, stoner rock type of thing. Um, it's uh, formed by Josh from Queens of the Stone Age. It was kind of like his side project that he would record with and sometimes tour with. Now, when this tragedy happened over in Paris where the theater was was attacked, along with other attacks throughout the city, um, the, but the main one was at a Deagle, Eagles of Death Metal concert. Just uh, terrible. Josh was not playing with them at the time of the, the um, attack. And uh, yeah, man, just terrible. I've always liked Eagles of Death Metal. They always had a fun, happy-go-lucky vibe about them, and uh, just just tragic. I'm I'm so bummed about it. And it's interesting to talk to Mike LaPond, uh, who uh, you know was is scheduled to play that same theater. So we'll see what happens with that. Could have been Mike LaPond. It could have been Rob Dukes of Exodus when he was with Exodus. They played that theater. Uh, I was talking to Bumblefoot last night, um, and he was over in Europe at the time of the attacks and actually had been living out of Paris uh, while he was touring with kind of this guitar tour, featured you know a lot of different guitar players, including like jazz guys like Larry Carlton and stuff. So anyways, he was over there doing that, and yeah, man, it's just awful, like like uh, Bumblefoot was over there, you know, I don't know, just really, it, it was a theater that a lot of... The bands we love, not the superstar bands, but the bands that are great, you know, that we all know about and all cherish. This is a theater that they all played, you know, Eagles of Death Metal all the way to Symphony X to Exodus. You know, all these bands played played this theater. Um, it's just tragic what, what happened, and it sounds like it's a real beautiful theater, and I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm bummed about it. I'm bummed about it. I know it was a number of weeks back at this point, but... Um, Wow, wow, what is the world coming to with these fucking monsters out there? No respect for human life. You know, and extremists is what they are, you know, and it's, I, I, I want them stopped. I don't know, I don't know how to do that. I don't know if that's, you know, dropping bombs on them, sending troops over, or or doing the opposite, getting the fuck away from them, you know, and, and just letting them fucking kill themselves. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Al-Qaeda and ISIS are fighting each other now. It's like, what the fuck, man? It's, I don't get it. It sounds like such a mess over there. Syria, Turkey, these these places. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm not one of these guys who, I hear the politicians, they all have their ideas, but I don't know. I hear their ideas and none of them really sound like they're they're going to be the cure to stopping this madness. And I think it's something that's going to probably take hundreds of years to resolve. Uh, this isn't something that, that most of us will see resolved in our lifetime, unfortunately. I think 
stuff like this, conflicts like this, they, they can take they can take hundreds, sometimes thousands of years to to work themselves out or phase themselves out, you know, extinct themselves out from all the murder and bloodshed. But it, it, I'm just going off here. I don't know. I'm just uh, I was really really upset by the Paris attacks. I have to admit that. So, all right. Having said that, let's get to some listener feedback. David Wade checked in, says, Thanks for friending me on Facebook, Mark. Always loved the show, especially when you guys jammed with guests and John Astronomy. You know, I get, thanks, David. I get emails like this from from people, and sometimes, you know, I wonder if they even realize that Talking Metal was a podcast long before the short-lived TV show that we did and, and long, long after the TV show. So uh, and we've, we've done a lot of shit. So I, I, I appreciate emails like that, but sometimes uh, it almost makes it sound like the guy doesn't fucking realize that we've done a lot of shit since, since the TV show. I may be totally off base on that, but anyways, David, hopefully now that you're friends with me on Facebook, you will, uh, you will check out the podcast. Maybe you already do check out the podcast. Again, you always said always loved the show, especially when you jammed with the guests. Just the tone of that makes me think that probably um, you don't know that this is primarily a podcast and always has primarily been a podcast. Rob Dukes, my friend, uh, gave us a great interview and Mitch LaFon a great interview and he's been on Blabbermouth like like nonstop. So I'm, I'm happy that Rob Dukes is getting some press even though some of the headlines come off as a little negative. I think anything that keeps his name out there and exposes new ears to Generation Kill is a good thing. Chris Riley checked in with me on Facebook. Great third and final interview by Mark Striegel and the author of Van Halen Rising, Greg Renoff. An intricate look into the years of the fledging supergroup, of the early years of the fledging supergroup. In this interview, they cover the involvement of Gene Simmons of KISS with Van Halen, amongst other things. Great stuff. Uh, thanks, Chris. I'm gra- glad you enjoyed the the three interviews with Greg. That last one was awesome, I thought. Uh, 570 is the episode of Talking Metal. It's a must-listen for all KISS fans, for all fans of, of Van Halen. you got to check that out. Um, great, great stuff from Chris Riley. Uh, I mean, Greg Ranoff. Chris Riley is the guy who wrote the, the comment. Check out Greg's book, Van Halen Rising. I think it's safe to say, guys, David Lee Roth is out of Van Halen at this point, right? I mean, he played a solo acoustic show in New York. It's now coming out, and he attempted to do a reunion of the Eatem and Smile lineup, Billy Sheehan, Greg Bissonette, and Steve Vai, of course, which the fire marshals shut down, apparently, before they even played one note. Uh, and I've heard that his contract's up with Van Halen. He, that's right. He's under contract, because remember, the Van Halen brothers now own the Van Halen name. And I've also heard that, uh, or I saw this promo picture of Van Halen that was just put out of uh, Wolfgang, Alex, and Eddie. No Dave in the picture. So I think it's it's pretty safe to assume they currently aren't working with David Lee Roth. And knowing Dave, if they're not, he'll probably let a little time go to see what develops. But I'm sure we'll be hearing from him shortly once he plans out his next move and I do believe there will be another move from David Lee Roth I don't think he's ready for retirement at this point but yeah Chris Riley checking in and I'm glad you love the the Greg Renoff uh, interviews Chris thank you 
Thanks for all the birthday wishes, guys, on Facebook. A lot of you checked in wishing me a happy birthday. I totally uh, like that. It was almost overwhelming. I tried to uh, like everyone that I could, every uh, comment that was left for me. But um, it was uh, was a little tough. But yeah, man. Anyways, good, uh, good feedback on the Rob Dukes interview. I guess I already said that. Thank you, guys. Uh, we lost filthy Phil Animal Taylor from Motorhead fame played on all their classic stuff he died recently at the age of 61 he was in that band until the early 90s I believe such a, a amazing drummer and really one of the first to do that like crazy double bass that came so popular among thrash bands and even like Tommy Lee you listen to Tommy Lee's double bass I would guess that was probably highly influenced by by uh filthy from Motorhead you know you listen to a song like Overkill that was a revolutionary song when that ba- that song came out just because of the way the drums were double bass throughout the the whole thing now, somebody had emailed me or put on my Facebook, I believe it was, asking me what I thought about Ghost using backing tracks uh, in their concerts. You know, they were recently on Stephen Colbert, and and it was quite evident that they were using some backing vocal tracks along with them. It seems even heavier on the Stephen Colbert performance than it did the the, the you know the few times I've seen them them play live. I will say this, I'm, I'm quite sure, unless there's microphones under those masks that the Nameless Ghouls are wearing, that they, they are probably playing the track. I think they may have even admitted it in interviews. Um, I don't have a big deal with it, because I do believe they're playing all the all the instruments are live, I, and I, I think that they need some of those vocals to enhance stuff. It is a show. You know, listen, Broadway musicals and all, all a lot of different bands... Uh, Bands and singers and acts from all different genres use uh, pre-recorded stuff to enhance their performances. At times, I don't love it, you know, but at other times, it doesn't bother me that much. I mean, you know, you always hear about Motley Crue using it and, you know, but look at like Nine Inch Nails. No one ever talks about that. I mean, they're playing a track the whole time, you know, when I, they have been for years, for years. Um, sometimes the tracks are are, are more more and sometimes they're less you know sometimes there's bass lines and drum lines and you know so i don't know i don't know how i feel about it but somebody i wish i could find the fucking comment on my facebook page but i can't um somebody was asking me about it i love ghosts i love what they do on record i love when i have seen them play in concert it doesn't bother me i know they're good musicians i know they're great songwriters and if they're some of the harmony vocals backing tracks, backing vocals are, um, are on tape or, you know, samples or whatever. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. In another setting, I might not be, you know, I I have, I have respect for bands like a winery dogs or something where they don't ever would never think of of using backing vocals. You know, I, I, I pre-recorded backing vocals. That is, I I get that. That's pretty cool. But on on the other hand with ghost, I don't know. It doesn't something about their whole, thing that doesn't bother me I don't think it's a crutch uh I I think they would actually it was minimal I thought when I saw them live and again however I was I was quite shocked when I saw them on Stephen Colbert on Halloween and how much uh 
enhancement there was from the the backing vocals uh but it still didn't bother me so there you go love ghost definitely my my favorite record of 2015 is the new ghost record without question probably way above everything else and i know a lot of people don't like them some people don't get them carrie king eddie trunk they don't like ghosts guys like hatfield and dave grohl i've heard just you know dave grohl's done some producing work for him i mean love love ghost and uh, it's funny the the audience that ghost has is very very devoted very i wear ghost t-shirts and sweatshirts a lot and it's it's wild i'll get 13 year old kids coming up to me talking about the band i'll get you know 53 year old dudes coming up to me talking about the band and i like that i like that i see such a young audience or partial young audience with ghost which I don't see with the winery dogs. When I go see the winery dogs play live, it's all old guys. I'm talking like 35 and up. Uh, probably I could even say 40 and up. I mean, it's old men, really fat, bald, old men. Uh, you go see Ghost, you, you get much more females. You get a much younger demographic mixed with those older old school metalheads and rockers, you know, too. I think that's great. I think it's great. I love seeing a band that appeals to younger kids and, and youth. And, and, and listen, I know people out there don't like Adele. I'm psyched. She just sold what, like 2.5 million in three days. This is a record possibly of all time. It definitely since 2000, the year 2000, what we're almost at 2016, almost 16 years ago in sync in sync. The massive band. I mean, they, 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 um, their record was beaten in these times where people say the music business is dead. You know, I think high tide floats all ships, man. I think, I think Adele selling a lot of records is, is not a bad thing for metal, for hip hop, for country. I think this is a good sign. And it is interesting that she avoided putting anything but the single on the streaming services. So, I think this is a big hit on the streaming services like Spotify. It basically has, whether it's true or not, it has, in, in the industry's eyes, in the artist's eyes, it has proven what they have argued, that Spotify is ripping them off and does not enhance album sales. And when I say Spotify, I mean all these streaming services. And so the Adele album along with other albums in the past Taylor Swift or whatever who you know they're, they're going to hold these up and Adele without question really makes their argument much stronger that you know they they, they should avoid the the streaming services uh, like Spotify and I like Spotify I do it's convenient it's fun I still try to buy the CDs for the bands I love because I do listen to CDs in the car I do listen to vinyl in the house so uh so yeah man so yeah, you know what's fucked up? Tool, who I guess are announcing some tour dates coming up, and the, I guess the work on the new album continues. But they're not anywhere. They're not on iTunes. They're not on Spotify. At least not in the United States. And they're one of the last holdouts. I mean, even the Beatles and AC/DC and Led Zeppelin are finally on iTunes. At least you know, Led Zeppelin's even on on Spotify. Um, as as is AC/DC. Yeah, the Beatles aren't yet, but um. Yeah, Tool, one of the last holdouts with uh, not only streaming, but just digital downloads in general. It's pretty crazy, pretty crazy. And curious to when they're finally going to get their shit up there, man. Uh, if ever, if ever. 
one of the last holdouts of digital downloading, allowing their songs to be digitally downloaded. Yeah, man. All right, so that's it. Cool. Thanks, dudes. I'm just kind of rambling here. No script, no nothing. Just off the cuff, and it's fun doing that, the rambling. Most most of you guys dig it. I know a handful of you don't. So let's end with a, another song to, to get us out of here today. Speaking of ghost, let's just go with some new ghost, right? Newer ghost. This came out earlier this year. Love this shit.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.